welcome to The Alabaster Jar, a weekly conversation where we take on current issues impacting women at the intersection of faith, theology, and ministry. We are pleased to offer Alabaster Jar as a podcast of Northern Seminary. This week, our hosts, Dr. Lynn Kohek, Dr. Ingrid Farrow, and Dr. Beth Felker-Jones share with us a conversation on the vision behind the name of this podcast, Anointing in the Ancient World, and its relevance to women today. We have a special moment planned for you at the end of today's episode, so be sure to stick around. Let's dive in. So Lynn, to kick off our conversation today, let's just start with a question maybe some of our listeners are asking. Uh, why the Alabaster Jar? How did we arrive at that as the name for this podcast? Well, it uh, it's, a, it's an object. It's an object that is that plays a key role in one of my favorite Bible stories. And as Ingrid and Beth Felker-Jones and you and I um, we're thinking about what to call the podcast. And I just admit myself, I don't have a creative bone in my body. We kept going back to what is a, what is an object or an image that might uh, represent women's experiences or a story of women in, in scripture. And as it happens, this alabaster jar occurs in this story that's found in uh, Matthew and in Mark and in John. Uh, In Matthew 26, at the last week of Jesus's life, we find Jesus at a dinner party um, with some of his disciples and also some of his female um, followers. John tells us that it's Mary of Bethany, who is one of the hosts of this meal. And in this story, this woman opens her alabaster jar and in the alabaster jar is very expensive perfume. And she pours it on his head and she pours it on his feet. And it makes the disciples, the male disciples, frustrated and angry at her, um, at what she's done. But Jesus defends her and says, you know, leave her alone to the male disciples who are frustrated. She loves me and she has, she has believed me when I've said that uh, I'm, I'm going to face my death. And so she has anointed my body for burial what she has done will be remembered. Well, when I was in, I think a senior in high school, getting ready to go off to college, uh, I was baptized as an adult and in, in a creek uh, when, where I lived in South Central Pennsylvania. And we were asked to give a story that we felt kind of would encapsulate both, uh, well, yeah, just sort of our, our vision statement, our Uh, what we would like to be as believers. And this was my story. I wanted to just pour out my love for Jesus. And so over the years, the decades since that time, I've continued to go back to this incredible story. And it has has grown in depth for me. Um, And and I find just aspects of it um, that continue to inform uh, my own walk. Um, I still want to emulate Mary's incredible gift of love 
uh, to the Lord. I also see her as anointing, which is something that uh, Samuel does in the Old Testament as he anoints King David. Uh, so anointing is not just uh, a kind of simple act of love and devotion, but it has great symbolism, I think, in this story. I also see Mary as the one who believes Jesus that he's going to uh, to die, and and she believes him. Um, in, in nobody else is is believing him in that. Uh, so her tremendous faith uh, is compelling to me. You know, she's the one who prepared her brother Lazarus's body uh, for the grave, put it in the grave, and then welcomed him back, resurrected. And so I, I think of what must she have been thinking that night as he was having dinner, and she would hear him, and she's heard Jesus talk about his death. I she's someone who's act, who actually felt resurrection. She felt her brother's dead body and then resurrected body. There's so much richness in that. To say nothing of the disciples' reaction, uh, this uppity woman who is going to shame them by being more generous than them, uh, who dares to, um, to act in, uh, in kind of a bold public way. Um, and, and I'm intrigued about her silence. Her, uh, she doesn't defend herself. Uh, Jesus defends her. Ah, oh, there's just so much richness to think about. Uh, and so I think I'll be continuing to think on this story. And that's what we hope to do in the podcast, is to just think about the richness of the Word of God, the richness of the Word of God as it's experienced by women, both biblical women and women throughout church history and women today as our act of devotion as we uh, we serve this risen, risen Lord. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, Lynn. And you know, so Lynn, you're a New Testament scholar and Ingrid, you're an Old Testament scholar. As we think about this idea of anointing, and Lynn, you were making a reference to that um, as we look back at Samuel's anointing of David. And so when we think of this concept of anointing, Ingrid, would you mind sharing a couple of thoughts just on um, maybe some of the similarities and differences uh, between these types of anointing? And maybe even uh, you were sharing with me earlier just uh, what was this ointment, nard? It's not a word that we hear um, tossed around a lot maybe uh, today in our, the world that we live in. So uh, sometimes I think even just hearing the sights, the smells, the sounds, to be able to paint the picture of what would have been happening in the moment as we see the story unfolding of, the, of a woman anointing Jesus. Could you um, sort of make that come off the page for us a little bit of, of what that would have been like? Why would it have been even perhaps shocking for the culture in that moment. Yeah, certainly in the Old Testament, the anointing was done by a prophet. It was uh, so the anointing of Samuel, the anointing of David, and um, and so and it was anointing for an office as well. So that was uh, and so here to have a woman coming in and anointing um, somebody in a public space and uh, uh, 
who doesn't have an official title, who doesn't have an official role, and what in the world is she doing here anyway? And, you know, she's invading our space, and who is she, and how dare she? You know, first of all, how dare she invade this space? How dare she do this act? What right does she have, and what authority does she have? Which, of course, authority was a question they were always asking, Jesus, by what authority are you doing this? So she's coming with the authority that God blesses. She has she is actually doing acting in obedience and out of love, out of her love for Jesus. And then Jesus says she's anointing me for a burial and nobody else gets it other than really her and Jesus. And uh, so it, it is, it's, it's incredibly powerful. It's, it's out of character, just like Jesus continued to do things completely unacceptable to the Pharisees, <laughs> unacceptable to the religious class and unacceptable to the religious political structures. So she's, uh, she like Jesus is upsetting the apple cart. And uh, so I love her boldness. And, and I love, Lynn, how you brought out that she didn't defend herself. Jesus did. Jesus was the one who, who spoke up in her, de- in her defense, not only in her defense, but honored her, not just defended her. He honored her. And, uh, and again, the, uh, the ointment that she used is not one that, that we see for priestly anointing or anything. So there's not a lot that we know about about this, except that women in those days, the young women of mar- marriageable ages were given an alabaster jar full of an ointment and the amount they had had to do with the wealth of the family and so forth. So she had a full pint of this nard, also known as spike nard. And, um, and so it, it says that it was worth about 300 denarii, which would have been about a year's worth of wages. And it would have come from the Himalayas, probably India, but, you know, it could be Nepal, China, but, you know, the Him- so it, it had come a long journey and extremely costly. And, um, and, and the smell, of course, would have filled the whole room. And, and I appreciated, you know, I, I looked up a little, I haven't bought any yet, but you know, you can buy a three pound oil in bulk for $3,000 or one ounce for about 56 right now. So, so I might buy a little bit, but just to smell it, but, uh, but it, it's in reading about it, it has a woody, spicy, musky, earthy smell. And so I kind of love the fact that it has an earthy smell also when we think of who we are as as vessels. You know, we are certainly earthy vessels. Uh, so that that thought going right back to Adam made from the Adama, from the earth and so forth. But then also just the, the, the costliness that she gave her all. And also the fact that it was probably part of her dowry. I mean, this was she was pouring out all of her love, all of just all of herself in in G, uh, Jesus and anointing him. It's beautiful. What a beautiful picture. Well, you know, as we prepare to come to um, the last part of our episode here, Beth is going to jump on in just a moment. Um, but before we do that, I'd love to just hear from each of you. You know, what does this mean for us today as women following Jesus? I've heard each of you use words just that, uh, paint this picture for me of almost this extravagant act. And uh, there was a boldness in her act. Um, And so what does that look like uh, for us? What can we pull from this story um, for us as women today? So Ingrid, would you mind starting us off? Yeah, I I guess uh, one of the more dramatic events in my life was when I was in the insurance industry, and uh, but I'd had a lot of really hard, hard things happen in my life. And I had so many questions of God and, and I knew that God had told me to go to seminary and study. And, um, and I, 
And I was thinking of, you know, well, they said I shouldn't, they said I couldn't. And I had been in a tradition where women just didn't do that kind of stuff. And, you know, I was afraid of being criticized and, and so forth. And, but I just, I just saw and heard God say to me, what have I told you to do? And, and at that point, it didn't matter what anybody else said. So the fear of what people said left. So that's certainly different from what Mary did, because here she did it right out of her love. Me, it, you know, it, it took uh, something a little bit more powerful. But but again, it was, okay, I need to enter into this space where I might not be welcome, but I know this is what God's called me to, and and I I have to do it. And I, of course, I loved the Lord, and I want, was looking for answers, but, but it was, you know, it, it just... I needed that extra boost to have the, the, the chutzpah that Mary had without that extra boost. <laughs> so, you know, so I so honor women who just, you know, we just need to, whatever it takes, just step into that space where we know God has called us and he will guard us. He will guide us. He will protect us. He will honor us. And, um, and we just need to, to step into wherever it is that God's calling us when we know that he has, he has called us. Mm, that's wonderful. Thanks, Ingrid. Lynn, what would you add to that? What do you see as you read the story that you would want to share uh, with a woman that's listening to the episode today? Well, I think the, um, yeah, thank you, Ingrid. I, I don't know that I have so much to add other than uh, this was not this woman's first time being with Jesus. Uh, Jesus had talked with her sister, Martha, and said one of the most powerful truths in all of scripture when he said to Martha that I am the resurrection and the life. And, and she saw Mary, saw uh, him raise her brother. And so I think the, her boldness comes um, at uh, me. It, it, it didn't come kind of all at once. She sat at his feet and learned Jesus told her truths that are, uh, you know, deep as the foundations of the, of the earth. And so I think that what I see in this, in, in her act of love there is also a recognition of what discipleship really means and is. Um, and that, it's kind of like the, the uh, another Mary, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who sees God at work and ponders things in her heart. So I, I see this anointing of Jesus with the jar of nard as a culmination of a faithful woman's journey. Well, it's not completely a culmination because she will, of course, um, walk through with Jesus uh, in his last week and then uh, celebrate the resurrection. You know, we don't have that all detailed uh, for us in scripture, um, but, but she's a faithful disciple. I, I guess that I take, I, I, I wanna note the perseverance. I, I wanna note the in between pages when she's waiting for in between the pages, right? In between the lines in scripture, when she sends to Jesus that Lazarus is ill and he doesn't come, quote unquote, in time uh, to save her brother. I don't know what she was thinking those four days, uh, but I've been in those four days in my life at times. Um, and 
she perseveres. So I guess that's what I what I would see with with her is this is this is a dramatic event, but it's built on uh, a steadiness and a, a constant learning um, that all of us today can um, men and women. Uh, but this is a this is a woman who models discipleship for all of us today, not just for women, for all of us today. And we don't know, any of us women, we don't know when we might be called to do that singular act as she did in anointing Jesus's body for his burial. Um, there's, uh, but as Ingrid talked about being faithful when God calls you uh, to act. And Mary was faithful in all the steps so that she was ready to be faithful in this very important moment. Hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Len. And thank you, Ingrid, for both sharing your insights. Okay, listeners, as we come to the end of this episode, I want to invite you to take a moment now to prepare your hearts and sort of plan to sit in a meditative moment as Beth is going to read uh, an excerpt to us from her book, Pandemic Prayers. Pandemic Prayers is a book that Beth wrote at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. And it's about a month's worth of devotional reflections, uh, specifically for a time of hardship or isolation and the things that we experienced during uh, the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic as the world began to change for many of us. And so um, Beth is going to read an excerpt from a devotion on the story that we've been discussing today, specifically the one that is accounted in John's gospel. So go ahead and sit back and relax. And Beth, take it away. Thanks. This was written for the beginning of Holy Week 2020. Jesus knows the week ahead is fraught with danger. He is preparing to pour himself out for us. What do you do when what's coming is the brutality of the cross? If you're Jesus, you have dinner with your friends. We probably know the cast of characters, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, the two sisters and their brother are some of Jesus's closest friends. He calls them beloved. He comes to their home when he needs respite. The last time he was here, he stood at his friend's grave and he wept and then he called Lazarus forth from the dead. And now the friends are having a meal together again. Even if we don't know this story, the one of the dinner party we're at right now, we might be able to predict what they're doing tonight based on other stories we've heard about them. Martha is serving. She's made sure the meal will be good. She's looking out that everyone has what they need. Maybe she pauses to glance at her brother, marveling that he's living and breathing after she thought she'd lost him forever. Lazarus is at the table with Jesus. They're dipping bread in oil and eating fish. Maybe Lazarus is conscious of enjoying the food in the company more than he would have before he got sick and died. Before his friend Jesus called him out from death and back to their shared table. Do they talk about it? The fact that the Lord of life is at their table? And what of the other sister? Where is Mary tonight? She's where she's been before, at the feet of Jesus. She takes a jar of costly perfume made of nard. She anoints Jesus's feet. She wipes those feet with her hair. Tears run down her face. She knows what Jesus is about to say out loud. She knows she will not always have him there with her. And she prepares him for his death by pouring all she has out for him. A preview of what he will do for her when he goes to the cross. The house fills up with the fragrance of the perfume. It's Monday of Holy Week. 
The way of the cross lies before Jesus. It lies before his friend Mary. It lies before us, too. Several years ago, I was thinking about Mary and her alabaster jar of perfume, about how costly it was. I was doubting I'd have it in me to do what she did. But then I thought about some other jars in scripture, clay jars. We have this treasure in clay jars, Paul says, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. 2 Corinthians 7, 7. And I wrote this short poem. Never, Lord, would I have had the guts to shatter that alabaster jar. Love, though, made me clay. Whatever nard still spilling through the cracks, so graciously set free. It's Holy Week and the way of the cross is before us. It will probably be the strangest Easter of our lives. All the alabaster things are shattering and we're left with clay that cracks, clay that makes it clear that our hope is in God and God alone. After the bit about the clay jars, Paul goes on. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. Our mortal flesh is groaning, the cross looms before us, and it's right here in our weakness and sorrow that grace will make Jesus visible in our bodies. I'm praying today to look to the cross, to focus on what Jesus did in pouring himself out for us so that God's grace might allow me just a little to make Jesus more visible right here. Dear God, thank you for your promise that though we are afflicted, we will not be crushed. Help us to look to Jesus who poured himself out on the cross and so made it possible that we might show his life to the world. In the name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.